players are convening in Bradenton. The coaches and instructors will be there. The sun will be shining. And it will not be spring training in any way, shape, or form. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. I'm not kidding. There will be players on the four fields at Pirate City. Lots and lots of them wearing Pirates uniforms. They just won't be and can't be anyone on the 40-man roster. So beyond whoever you'd project as being on the 25-man active roster, that also includes 15 others the team can protect. Meaning, naturally, most of your best guys. So why are they doing this? Well, I get it. It makes sense. Most teams are doing this. They want to be able to get their hands on their prospects. They want to be able to check them, mostly medically. They want to see where they are conditioning-wise. Pitchers come up for extra scrutiny in this area. And it offers yet another chance to get everyone better at baseball to follow the team's own catchphrase over this offseason. Nothing wrong with it. And Alex Stumpf, our beat writer at DK Pittsburgh Sports, flew down to Bradenton last night. He'll be there to cover it every day as if it's, you know, spring training. But it's not. It's not going to be. Because this also will be the week, at least according to some promises that have been made, that the owners and players are going to sit down every day, every day, the remainder of this week through Friday, which is being set up as some sort of uh, faux deadline, I guess, for whether or not the actual regular season can start on time. A week of spring training games have already been lost. I'm sure it's going to be more than that, regardless of how this plays out. But the thinking is there's no way that if you don't have a deal by Friday, you'd be able to safely ramp up pitchers for the start of a regular season at the end of March. So whether they're continuing to pose or not, and I'm primarily pointing the finger at the owners in that regard because They called the lockout, and yet they've never made clear what it is exactly that they want other than to stall, install, install. So I have no idea what to make of their stance. I know what I wish it was, but I also know that there hasn't been a salary cap component come up in any of their proposals since the very first one, and even that was a preliminary one going way back to last August. Maybe this kind of week is what they were waiting for. Maybe they thought this would create enough uh, pressure or urgency on the player's side. But I'll say it again. I don't even know what it is that they're trying to get from the players to be able to hazard a guess as to how this will play out. Whatever the case what goes on between the owners and the players is going to matter infinitely more than anything that happens in Bradenton. But there still might be some things worth keeping an eye on there. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. There are few business structures in civilization that are more bureaucratic and more bloated than that of Major League Baseball teams. And I'm not referring to the very top level. I'm referring to the entire organization. This is not unique to the Pirates. This is something that's across all 30 organizations. There are pages and pages and pages of employees in baseball ops alone. And despite that, each one of them has a legitimately full workload. That's just how it goes when you're scouting, instructing, coaching hundreds of players in various locations on the globe. So there's still a lot to do. And I can tell you that whenever Ben Charrington and Steve Sanders and their entire staff walk out onto those fields today, they'll do so with checklists galore. They'll have all kinds of things they'll want to see even on the very first day. Number one, naturally, is going to be health. And within that, number one, at least in in my book, and I'd be really surprised if it wasn't in the Pirates book, will be the health of Blake Cedarland. Uh, he's going to have been forgotten by a lot of people already, but what he was doing on the mound was flashing big-time closer stuff, effortlessly getting 100 miles an hour up to the plate. Combining that with wipe out, wipe out off-speed stuff. It somehow never surprises us, unfortunately, when the flamethrowers go down to Tommy John, but this one still hurt. This one still hurt. Between Cedarland's situation and then Nick Birdie being shut down as well, and Birdie was doing the same thing, uh, it's, it's really something to look back and try to picture what the bullpen could have been like, especially with the way David Bednar ended up maturing in their absence. So that's the kind of thing that happens at a camp like this. It doesn't sound very exciting. I've covered a lot of these. They aren't very exciting. The sun comes up at around whatever it is, 7 a.m. this time of year, and it takes no more than a half hour from then to see Pitchers go out engaging in long toss, everything supervised, not just by one person, but by a pitching coach and an athletic trainer. Uh, You can't even grab a baseball anywhere on the campus without somebody overseeing it. That's the kind of stuff that happens. You're not going to be getting results of scrimmages or exhibitions or anything like that in those reports. It's mostly really, really dull but also really, really important. Just not more important than what'll be happening 
in some even more boring lawyers' conference rooms several states away. When we come back, just one question. J1Q. Today's comes from Francis Spencer, who asks, what happens to a player's Major League service time counter during a lockout? Does it stop until the season starts? Is it prorated? Or is all of that rolled into the negotiations that result in the eventual new labor agreement? Francis, I'm going to start by explaining for anybody who doesn't know what service time is and why it matters. Service time is accrued per day that is spent on the big league roster. Simple as that, whether you're healthy or injured, days that are spent, not games, not weeks, not months, and not by year, it's by the day. So, for example, right now, nobody would be accruing Major League Service time if there were Grapefruit League games going on. Nobody would be accruing Major League Service time. Not until opening day, Real opening day. That is your day one of service time for that year. So, in the event of a lockout, let's just get hypothetical here and say that opening day gets pushed back, I don't know, like a month. And it's now April 30th. That's when your service time starts. That day. Now, to your point, and I think what you were trying to ask there, if there's only a five-month season at hand, does a major league player still accrue a full year, a 1.0, at the risk of getting super detailed here, a 1.0 on your service time by being in the majors for the entire, I don't know, how many games would that be? 162 minus 30. Let's say it's 132 games. If you play all 130, no, not play. If you're in the majors for the entire season, do you get a 1.0 on service time? My speculation based on precedent is that this does get negotiated toward the player's favor. They don't get jobbed out of a partial year of service time. This came up probably in the most dramatic way in 2020 with the 60-game shortened season because of COVID. In that one, it was negotiated that the players would get for playing just those 60 games, for being in the majors just for those two months instead of six months, a full year of service time. That was a big part of what got the players to agree to do this. That was collectively bargained, as were some other exceptions about rookies and things like that. And one of those impacted Kebrian Hayes and his rookie status and little details and asterisks like that. But that's the most recent precedent, and it's a powerful one at that. And I'd be stunned if there were to be some sort of deal or close to a deal, and the owners would then come back to the players and say, well, listen, Too bad you missed out on a month, so now you're only going to get five out of six months of service time this year. That messes up everyone's 
free agency clock who's been around for less than three years and, and they'd never go for it. So I do think you're going to see full credit for a year of service time. Wow. I was not expecting a technical roster slash labor question like that one. But, hey, I'll take whatever it is that anyone's got. And by the way, people ask, where do you leave the, the J1Qs? Because I never really make that clear. The answer to that, the correct answer is anywhere. If you leave it on Twitter, I'll see it. If you leave it on YouTube, I'll see it. If you leave it under the comments on DK Pittsburgh Sports, I'll see it. Wherever it is that you put it, I'll find it. So don't worry about that. Just throw it anywhere. Believe me, it, it makes its way eventually. I appreciate this question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one tomorrow.